welcome to Diamond is Fine. I'm your host, Ashley, and today we'll be talking about all the mystical and magical goodness of the world. And so on today's episode, we'll be talking about polyamory and a woman who would not take it lying down. So everyone, thank you so much for being here, and I hope you're having a great week, and if not, I hope it gets better soon. So today we're going to talk to a fabulous guest. Um, we have Queen Janine here. Janine is a third-generation <laughs> intuitive and a digital man- project manageress. She specializes in helping individuals cultivate their most enchanting lives and says, Hi, Janine. How are you? Hello. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm so happy awesome. you're here. I'm so happy to be here. So good to see you. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's so nice to see people you've seen online and yeah. in their face and like have an actual conversation. Okay, so my first thing I wanted to just ask you about was how did you get into the spiritual space? I know it says you you said you were a third generation intuitive. So is it something you grew up with or something you found later? So like, how did you get into all this? Yeah, that's a great question. So I growing up when I was young, my dad is and he's still alive is very intuitive. He always has been he's a medium, he will just walk into a room and be like, Oh, there's a dead, there's a dead person over there. And it's like, what? He'll just say that to like people who can't see the dead. And I'm like, Dad, you can't do that. So growing up, it was always very fascinating to me that he had the ability to do that. And when I was very young, I allegedly was able to really tap into um, the other realm and just know things that no one else would know. But as I started getting older and older, that started fleeting and going away as it does once Mm. we get older. I grew up in a haunted house, so every once in a while I would hear things or see things even. But I quickly passed it off as like, oh no, I'm just tired or oh, I can probably prove that in some way, shape or form. Wasn't able to prove it. (laughs) Um, So that was my intro to all things spirituality. Uh, Once I turned 18, I moved out of the house and went to college. Completely just wasn't in the loop of anything spiritual or anything witchy or woo at all. Mm -hmm. And post-college, started getting back into it a little bit more. It's interesting because I feel like a lot of witchy folks growing up, we all had the same background where growing up, I would just make shrines and I was just like, okay, let me put some bones and some twigs on this. And yay, there's my, that's my altar. Uh, So I thought that was just normal. And (laughs) it's not something that most people do. It wasn't until 2018 that I really tapped into my spirituality again. I had a massive psychic awakening after Mm. a really devastating breakup. And it has been all uphill since then. Oh my gosh. That's so fun. So many things, like you said, like, like I felt like I had similar things going on. I was the same during college. I was like, "Eh, I think everything I thought was stupid now and I have to fit in with all these normal people. So I'm just going to shut up. Yeah. Yep. 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 (laughs) Never talk about these things. And then later on, me too was a breakup and I don't know what it is about breakups. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, completely. You normally hear people like, oh, I had a near death experience or they, I died and they brought me back to life, but no one really talks about breakups. Like, really kicking it off but yeah that's a thing it really is like breakups yeah. are so devastating and people will just be like oh it's all right oh. back on the horse and you're like what it's like somebody's no. died yeah 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 it's yeah so yes i can see and then people you know people are like why do people always cut their hair i'm like because you need to change yep. your whole life after your breakup yep. sometimes yep I'm yeah. so pro that. Yeah, I always change something or multiple things when I break up with somebody. <laughs> Same. I change something, yeah. I cut my hair, or I, like, get a tattoo. That's always yep. <laughs> I was going to say that tattoos. Yes, this last breakup I had, I ended up getting, let's see, one, two, four, four tattoos? Four. Four. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. no, this is going to make me better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it's, um, it's such a thing. I love it. 
Um, so one thing that I think is so neat about you is you are like even looking at your Instagram and like your whole vibe, you're very, mm. you're very like <laughs> glamorous. You're very, and not in like weird, stuck up, like weird, capitalistic, annoying way. Yeah. You <laughs> exude beauty that makes at least me think, oh, like I want to live my most beautiful life too. Oh. Look at her. Do you find yourself like doing that intentionally, like really trying to live that? Or is it just something that you just do naturally? <laughs> I, do, I guess it's something that I do naturally. Obviously, like right now I'm kind of dressed down a little bit, but still this is probably the most casual I will get. Um, I love wearing like silk pajamas. I love wearing, you know, just like little camisoles around the house and things like that. It's definitely an energy that I just like to elude, um, especially as somebody who works from home a lot. Like mm-hmm. during the pandemic, I feel like we all went through it where we were just in sweats or yoga pants nonstop for a year plus. And yes post that I was like you know what like I can make being a leisure lifestyleist glamorous and fun and exciting Um, and yeah just really being intentional with how I go about things I'm a big Miyazaki fan and Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of his movies he very much wants to cultivate this like just beautiful energy and just like really romanticizing the most monotonous tasks so that's kind of thing I've adopted as well which is really just really feels good in alignment with who I am oh I love that yeah Yeah. like I love that you like glamorizing the most monotonous tasks because it really does improve your life I think when you think that way Uh, because there's like the dumb shit we all have to do every day but it's like but if I feel good and I look cute and I smell good doing this it's better oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah yeah I'm a huge fan of that yeah Yeah. (laughs) I love that so true. Uh, I know. Um, you are, and this is also mostly for me because I don't know what this means completely. I get it a little bit. So you are a digital brand stylist. Yes. W- what exactly does that mean? And that's, again, mostly for me. Everyone else is probably, duh, but I just don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, no, completely. You're not the first person to have asked that. That's not, it's not, it's something I'm trying to coin, but mm-hmm. basically being a digital brand stylist is being a brand strategist or a marketeer, if you will. So working with folks to help cultivate their brands to the next level um, through the internet. So coming up with different logos for people, coming up with taglines for people, things of that nature. Instagram styling is a big, or not Instagram, emoji styling is a big thing. So I love to sit down with my clients and talk to them about their businesses and just really cultivate like a brand identity for them. So thus a digital stylist. (laughs) Oh, okay. And is that like, that's, is that like your other job in addition to doing a lot of the different spiritual stuff you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, it is. So I have a background in tech. I worked for, I like to call it like the Holy Trinity, which was Google, (laughs) Facebook, and Twitter. Wow. Um, (laughs) And I was at Twitter when Elon Musk was there and everyone's Mm -hmm. like, ooh, did you get fired? I'm like, no, I left willingly. That fork in the road email that went out, I was one of the people who was like, I'm going to take that fork in the road and leave. Um, So that was in November of last year. And I just really took a beat after that to just Mm -hmm. figure out who I was, what I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to work for another corporation again. I knew that I wanted to, I intuitively knew when I took the job at Twitter, I was there for almost two years. When I took the job at Twitter, like the minute I signed my paperwork, I like got a download that was like, this is going to be your last corporate job. And I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to be here for at least five to six years. Yeah. I thought. (laughs) So after Elon and his situation, I took a step back, uh, really just spent the last few months just, or the last 
few months of the last year and some of this year just trying to figure out what it is that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to work with folks. I knew I wanted to have technology involved in my life in some way, shape, or form, even beyond like spiritual work that I do in terms of tarot and intuitive reading. I'd done a few website designs in the past, and I knew that there was a market for it, so I really just decided to tap back into that because essentially that's part of what I was doing when I was in tech. I mostly did program and project management. Um, the web design was something I just enjoyed doing on the side, so now I specialize in doing mostly web design and project management for um, small businesses, and uh, more specifically, I love doing things that involve like the beauty industry. I have a background yeah. in aesthetics. I work with a lot of waxers, and they're like, oh, you understand the lingo and the verbiage. You can help me with this. I'm like, yes, I can. So oh, it's a way to, yeah, it's a way to include all of my interests in one way. Yes, I love that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, that is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> so Okay, so we're going to do our dish of the week. So this week I used a book called A Kitchen Witch's Cookbook by Patricia Tesco. It's very neat. And we did some because I know you do a lot of um, readings with love and like dealing with people with love. So I thought let's look up some recipes that have to do yeah. with love because that's fun. Um, I'm here for that. <laughs> I love it. So the first recipe we have here is a raspberry almond coffee cake this sounds very good and i'm so sorry if you or anybody is allergic to nuts you may not be able to make this but we can pick something else for you later so (laughs) almonds are usually used in a lot of wedding favors and in ancient times they were used for sleep and headaches didn't know that yeah and then when combined with the water elements of raspberries it allows abundant love to flow through and encourages health and expresses joy so for this recipe, you get some butter, sugar, butter. I'll try to type it up somewhere and put it on the internet so everyone can see it. Uh, eggs, milk, vanilla, almond flour, brown sugar, almond paste. You And you make a cake. It sounds delicious. It's People use it for romance. And it's also used for hand fasting and courtship rituals. Valentine's Day, sweetest day anniversaries. Okay. And May Day. Nice. So the next one is love potion number nine. So this is a juice and it doesn't have any alcohol in it. So everybody could drink it. So it is made with, oh, it's a lot of different juices. So it's cool. So it's two cups of apple juice, two cups of apricot nectar, one teaspoon of vanilla, one teaspoon of ginger, an eighth teaspoon of cinnamon, some ginger ale, raspberry, strawberries, orange slices, and a small lemon peel. This does sound very sweet. And it sounds very nice. It is made to bring harmony to restless relationships. And some people put lavender in it to bring extra peace to a relationship. It's also used to bring commitment, passion, understanding, and wisdom. And then our last recipe for today is a rosemary sherbet, which I was like, mm, I don't know if that's going to taste good, but it actually sounds pretty good. So this is... You have rosemary, hot water, some sugar, um, some water, some lemon juice, and some orange juice. And this is also used to bring love to a relationship. And they use it in Valentine's Day, Memorial Day, and many spring rituals. It makes sense. Love spring. Um, And it just sounds really good. I have a link to the book if anybody wants to get this book. There's a lot of really good recipes in here. So I encourage you to do that. Okay. So... Now, moving on. 
Okay, this is the part of the show where I plug myself real quick. So, if you like this show, you can follow me on all the different socials. I'm Dime with the Divine on Instagram and Dime with the Divine on Facebook. And if you really like this show, you can pause it right now, give us five stars, subscribe wherever you like to listen, Apple, Spotify, all the different podcast apps. And if you have any questions, suggestions, comments, feel free to email me at dimewiththedivinepod at gmail.com. Great. Okay. So now is our little tea time educational segment. And we're going to talk today about polyamory. Yay. Yay. So, Jeannie, mm-hmm. I know you are polyamorous. Polyamorous. How was the. Polyamorous. Okay. Polyamorous. I'm a polyamorist. All right. You can say either I, or. Yeah, I was like, wait, polyamorist? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it works. Both yes. words. So, I, um, I did my research and I also. So going into this, I was like, hmm, let's talk about polyamory. I was like, the only thing I knew about polyamory is that you and anybody who seems to be polyamorous must be the best communicator in the world. (laughs) Because I'm just like, I admire anybody I've ever met who's like, yeah, I'm polyamorous. I'm like, oh my God, everybody just has to be so, we all have to talk. And I'm like, I have one partner and sometimes that's hard enough to like get there you know yeah. what i mean it's, no it's, i completely get it yeah when we were initially going talking you were talking about ethical non-monogamy that's the term that you use and i was like oh i've yeah. never heard of that so i looked it up i looked up this article and i put a link in the show notes and it's on a website with different articles about different psychological and mental health stuff so it was pretty informative and they have a lot of experts talking in this article so one of the things they say is there are several different types of what people consider to be ethical non-monogamy and then i think cnm which i'm assuming is consensual non-monogamy Okay. Our umbrella terms that cover lots of forms of sexual and romantic connections involving more than one partner. These can range from monogamish, which is a term coined by Dan Savage, where some couples mostly monogamous, but allow occasional sexual dalliances outside the relationship uh, through to polyamory, where they are in full relationships with more than one partner. Okay. So I have a quick question for you. Yeah, Absolutely. In a polyamorous relationship, so let's just say I'm polyamorous and I have a partner who, and in these cases, now again, these are like, all this is all stuff that I'm learning. So some people have a primary partner. Is that correct? Yep, that's correct. Yeah. So then if I'm dating other people, is it usually that like, would it end up that I'm usually dating other polyamorous people or am I dating other people who may not consider themselves polyamorous? Like, what do you see happens the most? Ooh, okay. Sorry. Just as a click, just no, it's no, it's all good. But I, I always throw this out here where I'm like, I can speak from experience. I don't yeah. know what the most popular one is, but I, there's different relationship models, and I will just tell everyone out there listening. There's no true like way to be polyamorous. There's so many different ways. There are people who, I mean, I'll just throw some jargon out there. There's hinge partners. There's mm. comet. We have so much. We have our own little language. Yeah. Um, but typically, how I can talk about my structure. But I have a nesting partner who's also my primary partner who I live with and I'm mm-hmm. engaged to, and we're getting married oh, later yeah. this year. Congratulations! <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. Um, so I live with her, and we go about day-to-day living. If you saw us, you would just think we're a normal, regular, monogamous couple. But I also have another partner who lives out of state in Seattle, and they use they, them, they're Mm non-binary. And they have a wife who they're married to, obviously, and two Mm -hmm. kids, two little ones. And then they also have a partner, a girlfriend, who um, lives elsewhere in the same town as that, or a a neighboring town. So they both live in a different state, or all three of them live in a different state. And then me and my partner live here in California, my fiance. 
And my fiance, I would, she's technically polyamorous, but she's more on the ethical non-monogamy kick just because she's down to meet people, she's down to date, but she's, um, as we all should be, particular on who she starts a relationship with. So right Mm -hmm. now she is like casually dating when time permits. Interesting. Yeah. When um, in your life, did you find that polyamory was what was working best for you? When did this like come up for you? Yeah. I mean, growing up, and when I say growing up, once I was over the age of 18, I was just very intrigued by lifestyles like this, but also very much had the mindset that most people have, or not most, but a lot of people have, where it's like, oh no, I'm too jealous for that, or I don't know how people do that, or communication must be really difficult. I'm too busy for multiple relationships. There's no way that works out. That's just approved cheating. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until 2020 when I was dating someone who identified as polyamorous that I was like, oh, and she was like, you should consider it. I can't be everything for you. Our relationship mm-hmm. is going to probably have an expiration date because I'm planning on moving out of state. I really care about you, but I don't think I'm like, for lack of a better term, like your person. Like we can date, yeah. we can continue being partners, but I just don't think that from a value standpoint, we're fully aligned on the same values in the way that we should be for a long-term nesting primary partnership, mm-hmm. which in the grand scheme of things is true. And we're still very good friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's essentially how I got into it. And with her blessing, I was like, okay, I'm going to try this. I don't think it's possible, but I'll try it. And sure enough, I think about a year in, I was like, oh shit, I'm in love with somebody. I'm in love with two people. Oh my gosh, this wow. here we are. <laughs> that's neat. Yeah. Such a beautiful, it's like for, I would say, most people um, it's so different and like you said when i first heard and this is like a few years ago when i first heard it i was like i don't know man i was like i and i will admit i'm super stereotypically was a jerk about it because i was like this just sounds like a way for people to cheat and i'm that's who i like the way i was thinking about it but then i listened to an interview years ago with a woman who was talking about how she was married um, to a man and then she also had a boyfriend and i was listening mm. to it and she was say- what you were kind of saying she was like my husband yeah i love him he's great but he doesn't like all the things i like for instance this lady was really cute and she was like i really like to fish and my husband hates fishing but her boyfriend <laughs> really liked to fish yeah so she would go fishing with him and her boyfriend really liked opera and she did but her husband didn't and so she would go to opera and like they were enjoying this relationship and it's such a beautiful thing and she's like i love this person for who they are and i also think like i said when i was way more naive about things i really thought it was all about sex yeah i was like oh it's just people just want to bang each other blah 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 but it's about love or it's about just enjoying yourself outside of your partner again i'm not polyamorous i'm just saying what i've gotten from what i've read and listened to people talk about it Um, yeah yeah but it seems like it's a way of fulfilling different parts of your life. You no, know, if yeah, and like you said, one person like nobody. I don't think any of us in life. For instance, this is just my example. This is why we have friends, right? Like exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. That's what I tell people. I'm like, you have more than one friend, right? and most people are like, yeah. And I'm like, well, it's similar. It's you know, you're romantic and usually intimate with you know, the other people. But I've met people who are polyamorous, and they are not intimate with some of their partners. It's just strictly asexual, which is very interesting too. Yeah, that is also interesting. And because then I think, again, I I don't know anything about this except from trying to do some research about it. Because then I'm like, 
is it like just a friendship? But you know what? Everybody can define things the way they want. It's yeah, not my yeah. business. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's so important that we all, I really think it's really important that other people like start to learn a little bit more about all these different things. So we don't Absolutely. make up all these weird assumptions about it. Um, but to you, and I've been chatting when I'm not the one who knows anything about this. Do you, <laughs> is it, um, is it difficult for you to find other people or do you have your own like community? I'm sure. And is it like you, it's easy now for you to find more people who are polyamorous? Yeah, uh, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area and I feel like it's so funny because anytime I go on a dating app, I will see one or two people that will literally post on their app like, hey, I'm one of the few people in the Bay Area that's not polyamorous. And I think that there's definitely a lot of truth to that. It's not weird. I was at Pride this weekend and my partners, both my partners were there and we we had a great time. And I looked over at one of my other friends who's also polyamorous and she had her her two partners with her and we were just like, hey, and we just kind of got together and chit chatted. So... (laughs) It's a little more common here, and I think it's pretty easy to find community. Um, there's actually a mixer tonight at a local bar for polyamorous folks. So there's definitely, like, things that you can do to find others. And I do definitely feel like it's something that is a bit of a wave of the future. It's been around forever, but I definitely think that it's, I don't want to say trendy, but rising in popularity, we can say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just part of the fact that people are starting to realize just having one person to lean on for anything and everything isn't, always sustainable um and obviously we do have friends as well but there's also that opportunity to really lean into a relationship with somebody and experience things that maybe one partner isn't into like my other partner they really enjoy the same music as I do so we love going to shows together Mm. um we love to like lounging around and chilling and my other partner who I live with my fiance we're both very active together so different folks for different things uh, but that does definitely doesn't mean that one is like better than the other it's just different folks <laughs> yeah do you yeah. find that with you saying that do you find that it takes pressure off uh, one person for instance your fiance maybe it takes pressure off them because you have somebody else who you can do other things with do you find that's like that sounds really healthy actually yeah yeah, yeah. no definitely one of the best things about polyamory is i just remember i think it was last year i was i cap at three I can't have more than three girlfriends or partners or fiancés because that's just, I don't have that many hours in the day to like yeah. having, sustain, it, it's not sustainable to have more than yeah. three. And also I want to be fair. But I just remember, um, I believe it was last year, I just was like, okay, I'm, I forgot what event I was going to, but I was going to an event and I was trying to figure out what to wear. And it was nice because I was just like, hey, do you like this to each one of them, like via text message? So I was able to get opinions. It's I always say I have a cheer squad, which is really nice. So if like I'm going through something, I can reach out to each of them. I know I'm going to get their support and their love. Uh, Christmas is always really nice because I tend to get a lot of gifts from all from everyone I'm dating. Uh, but it's also really nice to just have multiple anniversaries to celebrate. Someone always go on a trip with, someone to always talk to. So it definitely takes the pressure off of my fiance here. I can spread the wealth and spread the love. Yeah. So in this in this type of relationship, when you say you wanted to start dating somebody new, like you said, you cap yourself at a certain number so you can give equal yeah. time to everybody, which is a really good idea. But say you did meet somebody and you wanted to, and you felt that would be okay. Yeah. Would do you then? And again, I'm super stupid on this. No. Nothing I'm saying is. <laughs> oh like, my god. Okay. Not about, <laughs> yeah. no. um, would you talk to each person and discuss this before you go into it? Mm. 
That's a good question. So it really depends. I, typically, if I am going on a date with somebody, I will just say, hey, heads up, I'm gonna be going on a date with this person on Friday. They seem really cool. Here's a fun fact about them or whatever the case may be. Just so that everyone, and by everyone I mean the two partners I have, is aware that this is happening. Um, and then I might go on a second date or I might not, nothing might develop, but typically if something does develop and I'm like, oh, there's a connection here and I really like this person, I will talk to both partners separately and just be like, hey, heads up, I do really like this person and I, I'm gonna ask them out or I wanna keep seeing them or I think they have the potential to be a partner longer term. Um, and then typically, I will talk to each partner individually and just say, how do you feel about that? Usually I'll put my cards on the table and just be like, what are your thoughts on this? How do you feel? And usually it's either, there's usually like one of two responses. It's either, oh, awesome, that's great. Or there's some expression of jealousy or some expression, well, how's that gonna change our dynamic? Okay, what does that mean for us? So just navigating that. But I really put them in the driver's seat and I'm just like, all right, what are your thoughts on this? You have the, the hot seat, you can say what you wanna say about this. So, yeah, that's typically how it works. But if like, say I was, I don't know, out with some friends and I met somebody, I don't, I'm not somebody who does this. Like say I met somebody and I decided to make out with them on the dance floor. Yeah. I would just tell my partners when I get home mm. afterwards. Oh, by the way, I made out with somebody tonight. Um, and usually they just are like, okay, good on ya. Yeah. Good it. Good job. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> good job. <Yes. laughs> um, so that goes to the point we were talking about before. And this other quote I was reading in this article, which I thought was really interesting. It says, you need superb communication, emotional, and negotiation skills to make it work long-term. Many people do not have a good grasp on consent, talking about consensual, non-monogamy, or ethical. And so they use these terms without actually gaining consent from all their partners. And some use ethical non-monogamy as a justification of their behavior. But what you're saying makes sense it's like okay if something happens it happens you can tell them after but you mention it to people and it's you all seem to have the understanding together that this is what's happening it's not janine is doing this but yeah your other partner who lives in a different state has no idea that you may go on yeah. someone else yeah yeah no completely but i think there's also the there's also this like weird assumption by people that non-monogamous people get don't get jealous and I'm like no mm. we get jealous like we definitely it's a normal human reaction it's totally normal so I think there's this stigma of like oh you can't be jealous or oh you can't speak up about everything has to be harmonious and I'm like it's not always like peaches and sunshine there's definitely conversations that are difficult that are had there's renegotiation like you mentioned a moment ago there are like it, we often will quote like the escalator because in a typical like monogamous relationship you get together you become official, you move in together, you get mm -hmm. married, you have kids, you have all of this cookie cutter life. But in non-monogamous relationships, we can continue up that path or we can de-escalate. So there's instances I've heard of people who have nesting partners that they live with, but then they decide to move in with a secondary partner or another partner that they have for six months. Um, or they decide to uh, be engaged to two people at once or be married. Obviously, it's illegal in this country to be married to two people at once. There will be like a proper, like a legitimate marriage and then a marriage that's not on paper. So mm -hmm. there's all different ways to go about juggling non-monogamy. Yeah, that's a, yeah, because that is my next thing that I was thinking too yeah. and what I read in this article where they're talking about jealousy. Because mm -hmm. I used to, again, when I was not educated, <laughs> I'd be like, you must never ever be jealous. You just, and I was like, wow, this is why I think polyamorous people are way better than me because <laughs> like because if my partner is dating somebody else i would be not necessarily obviously i don't know but i feel like in my head 
but this is my own insecurities it's not their problem i'd be like oh is this person prettier than me Are they oh, yeah, than me? Yeah. is it just because they don't like me as much as this other person <laughs> like even though those things like everything you're saying is completely logical and makes perfect sense i think it would just be me battling with my own insecurities so it yeah. seems that of course like you're saying like you just said of course people can get jealous you're in relationships but it also sounds like there has to be a lot of maturing that happens individually mm-hmm. and everybody may have to like, look at themselves individually to see where they are in their yeah. health mentally no completely yeah it takes a very it's a lot of like you you very much have to be secure with yourself but at the same time i have moments of like, i'm jealous i know i'm awesome but i also get jealous and it's yeah. like oh, this person does this or this person does that or oh you get to spend more time with them because you're in the same state or oh you get to live with them and i don't get to live with you so there's definitely moments of like jealousy but it's i feel like in my opinion where people really crumble is when there isn't solid communication which is such a thing in the community uh, a lot of people especially here in the bay area will claim to be polyamorous but then won't be honest with their partners or mm-hmm. they won't communicate properly or you know, the minute somebody hey i'm jealous they end up dumping them that's mm-hmm. i dated somebody late last year and she wasn't i wouldn't consider her polyamorous she claimed to be but the first at the first sign of me expressing any sort of frustration or resentment toward you know her adding somebody new into the mix she was like okay peace done i'm i can't do this bye and i'm like mm-hmm. what the- that's not polyamorous like we're supposed to work together to like figure this out it's communication mm-hmm and compromise and understanding where I'm coming from. You can't just leave at this at any sort of conflict. So only definitely big on conflict resolution and negotiation. Yeah. That makes so much sense. I feel that people and at least people like I'm coming from the monogamous side of it. I've heard people be like, oh I'm polyamorous, but they say that just so that they can date people, but then they don't tell their partner. So then you're like, that's cheating. Yeah, that's what that is. Yeah. So again, stupid question. Is there... That was so dumb when I say this. No, there are no stupid questions. No, no, no. And I've Um, been asked all the questions under the sun, so all good. So what what would constitute cheating? Or what, Mm -hmm. like, or is that just not really... Not that it's not an issue, but what would constitute somebody being not honest or if you know where I'm going with that yeah yeah no solid I it really just depends on how different dynamics have are structured because some people might think that like I just I'm thinking of this one thing I had a friend tell me this and I was like oh she's like oh yeah I don't care who my partner's with but anal is off table and I'm like oh okay (laughs) there you go that's technically it just really depends like that's that is considered cheating or like dishonest um but it really just depends on I'm in my how I defend, how I define cheating for my polycule is if there is any sort of a sexual relationship that occurs or a romantic relationship occurs that I was unaware of, um, that's how I personally define it. Again, if there has been an issue or an issue, if there's been a situation in which somebody goes out and makes out with somebody, okay, right on. But, mm-hmm. you know, keep me in the loop as well. It's my big rule for my partners is always they're like, oh, do you have any rules? I'm like, be safe. And that is a blanket role because it's sexual safety, it's physical safety, it's emotional safety. Just go out and make safe decisions. Don't do anything that will ultimately jeopardize our relationship or your relationship with somebody else in the group. Um, so yeah, that's how I find that. But I, again, there's so many people out there who just, it it baffles me because I'm like, how do you cheat if you're polyamorous? Like, how does that happen? Just be honest. Um, just be honest. 
this is the easiest situation to be yeah. honest in. <laughs> yeah. yeah, completely. And just ask, be like, hey, I want to do A, B, and C. How do you feel about that? Yeah. And But also there are, there are instances in which I see this a lot too where people will be together and then they'll have a crush on, say, I don't know, somebody's friend. It'd be like if me and my partner, it's like if I were to like sleep or hook up with my partner's best friend mm-hmm. that or ask to do that, she might be like, absolutely not. That's inappropriate. I don't like that. So if yeah, I were yeah. like, oh no, I actually want to move forward with this. That would definitely be grounds for like being solid cheating. Uh, mm-hmm. So things like that, it's just, you have to, you just have to communicate about it. Yeah. Okay. I love all this learning we're doing. Yeah. Oh gosh. So I also have here, a, so you talked about having a lot of different lingo. And yeah. I, oh. yes, and I was like, oh, let's find out about some of this. Yes, yes. Yes, I used the word comet before. So, yes. Yes, so what I have here <laughs> as a definition for comet, and I got this and I will put a link in, this is readyforpolyanmarie.com, uh, is a long-distance partner where the p- partners only meet in person rarely but are happy to pick up their connection at those times and be less intensely in touch in between, like a comet passing Close enough to the earth to see every few years. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Oh, all right. I, I kind of, that's nice. Yeah. yeah it's cute. <laughs> Comet, comets are cute. It's like very, I find that usually when there's like long distance or like somebody's working a ton or if somebody lives out of the country, like my partner who lives up north, they were dating somebody who lived in America but had two partners abroad. Mm. So during COVID, she did not get to see her partners because they lived abroad. So that, oh. I think... She would define those two relationships as comedy, or they seem comet-esque. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then you also said the word polycule. Um, yeah. He, yes. <laughs> here, let me see if I can find polycule itself, but um, that says closed polycule. Uh, oh, here we go. Polycule is a network of interconnected relationships, can be used to refer to the network itself or a chart illustrating the same. Oh, a chart. Oh, gosh, we're getting very <laughs> official. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yes. a poly, I can't say that word, but we'll go keep going. Because of the varied possible configurations and how they can resemble charts of a chemical structure of molecules. That's cute, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Groups and networks larger than four people often simply use polycule or constellation. Oh, my gosh, yeah. you guys have the best words i know (laughs) i know i know so good i know to describe their network rather than using one of the specialized terms for a smaller unit as the shapes can get complicated oh i love that yeah okay oh okay then we have related to that there's a quad a four-person relationship network where all the parties are romantically interconnected um okay this is a term that i was like what? Okay. But I understand it. But I was like, I like the term relationship anarchy. I love Yep. That. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No, it's good. It's yeah. good. Yeah. That's what I practice. It's okay. funny. People are very, they just, I think they imagine just everyone just being hog wild and they're being orgies all the time with relationship anarchy. But it's what, not. the first time I read that, I was like, I just imagined everyone running around. Yeah. And just, I'm like, oh, but that, obviously that's not right. But that's, that's what came <laughs> up in my head. Which is a relationship structure that can be viewed as a kind of non-hierarchical. I can never say this word. I'm so sorry, everybody. Hierarchical. Yes, thank you. I'm sorry. Polyamory. (laughs) But more specifically applies anarchist principles of self-determination and lack of state involvement to intimate relationships. 
often abbreviated as RA. It allows for the individual definition of each relationship without labels being applied, and a great deal of argument exists around how RA is or isn't included in the polyamorous movements and community. Interesting. Um, But that seems way more equal to everybody right you're not yeah this is this person to me so you're only this person to me and Mm -hmm. i guess if you can get uh, it can get unfair for instance if somebody so you're my like you said not in this definition it talks about the state getting involved so we were saying marriage maybe some people don't want to marry so that they don't feel like oh this person is my spouse legally and you are just my partner that i whatever okay hmm. wow okay this is yeah so ra is very interesting there's a lot mm-hmm. of different schools of thought of it we practice in my polycule slash constellation we practice and most of us anyway i can't speak for everyone practice mm-hmm. ra and it's just for us the overall thought behind it is just everyone kind of having their own autonomy mm-hmm. so i have a really good friend who does practice she does have hierarchical um, E&M and it's she has her partner and they're very happy they'll go out and have their fun but it's just like well I'll see you know a few weeks or whatever but it's not I don't want to say they're nothing to her because that sounds really mean but mm-hmm. there's less of that like connection of okay like it's her and her boo thing are always going to be like each other's number one and everyone else is just like awesome I like to use ice cream analogies everyone else is just like cherries and nuts and whipped yeah. cream on top and with us it's just like oh cool I have ice cream of three different flavors here awesome that's great that's wonderful. Yeah. There's even something, and this may sound like a uh, like an oxymoron. There's something called solo polyamory. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was solo poly for a long time. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah, there's a form of polyamory in which an individual chooses to be their own primary partner. Yes. Choose yeah. yourself. Yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Building connections without the assumptions of progressing up the quote, and you talked about this before, relationship escalator with one or more often includes the assumption of living apart from all partners. Okay. I like that too. That's beautiful. Yeah. All these things are so interesting. And in this, these terms, there's a lot of other like LGBTQ terms. So I'm not going to read all those because most people know what a lot <laughs> of those means. But, oh, this is another really cool one. Lap sitting polyamory. The more, yeah. Okay, so now we have to read, first we have to read kitchen table because it's related to that. Okay, kitchen table polyamory, a style of polyamorous relationship in which the interrelationship of a network and the integration of multiple romantic relationships into one life or group is prioritized. Close relationships between metamors and or Mm -hmm. telemors are strongly encouraged or required. The name comes from the notion that all members of a network can sit around the kitchen table in their PJs drinking coffee. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then the more extreme version of that is lap-sitting polyamory, which implies positive connotation of no coercion or pressure. And this is popularized by the Multi-Amory Podcast. It's such a good podcast. Oh, man. I got to put that on my my list. Um, Okay, and the last one I'll read because you mentioned it too is hinge because I didn't know what hinge meant either. The shared partner between two people also, oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I was like, oh, I don't even have to explain this one. I understand hinge. Okay, because using a shape to describe describe polycules, they're often a point shape hinges on, point a shape hinges on, also because hinges can open and close as a convenient metaphor for describing the relationship between the metamorphs. 
wow everybody i'm gonna put this in uh, i'm gonna put this in the show notes so everybody can see all these different terms so you can understand uh, different things and i'm just so happy that you're here to discuss that because i just feel yeah. like so many more people just need to understand i feel like there's such a lack of at least for me maybe i don't i can't speak for everybody but for me and like people in the different communities i'm a part of don't understand this at all yeah and they don't really know a lot of people who do this and i only understand any type of poly anything in terms of old-timey one guy got to marry a million yep, wives. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. The polygamy thing. Yes. It's always, yeah. Sister yeah. wives. <laughs> yes. And I know it's like way more than that. Um, And that's like a whole, it's whole other, and again, we talk about ethical monogamy yeah. here, non-monogamy. That's not really so ethical because people are being coerced and people are not consenting. So it's a completely different ca- category. So this is so important. And Thank you so much for like going over all this stuff. Um, yeah, of course. Yeah. I don't want to sit here and be like, you have to be my authority on. <laughs> I hope I did not make it seem like. Oh, that. my gosh. No, not at all. Okay. It's, it's definitely one of those things that I can talk about. There are a lot of things I can talk about forever. And this happens to be one of them. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah I'm always excited to talk to folks about it. OK, awesome. Thank you so much. You're so, so welcome. <laughs> so this is great. <laughs> so the next thing we're going to do is we'll have our story time now. And. I know that you've worked with Lilith. Yes. yes. So this kind of, and the whole discussion about polyamory and love and self-respect and consent all goes along with Lilith. That's why I was like, let's Absolutely. talk about all this together because I love it so much. Okay. Most people have heard of Lilith. Um, they either know her as some type of demon or they've heard the story that people hear now is that she was Adam's first wife. But the whole thing about Lilith goes way, way deeper than that. There's like a lot going on here. Um, So some of the nicknames that Lilith has, we'll just go over some of the nicknames and they come from a lot of different cultures. I'll let you know in a minute. Uh, Are the Screech Owl, Beautiful Maiden, the Dark Maid, the Flame of Revolving Sword, Maid of Dissolution, Night Demon, Hand of Inanna, the Night Witch, and the Howler. Okay. Her colors tend to be black and red. And she is a goddess who's all about gaining back your power, your freedom, balancing relationships, and improving sexual relationships between you and the other person or the other persons. Um, and really sexual, lusty kind of love is her place, but it's not just a place of like, having sex with everybody with no regard. It's more of a conscious making decisions for yourself, deciding what you want to do, deciding how you want to live your life. She's all about that. She's not to be held down at all. She's very, let's go. I want to, I'm going to decide who I am and nobody's going to tell me who to be. That's why Lilith is pretty cool. So her story actually starts way before the story of Adam. It starts all the way in ancient Sumer. So in ancient Sumer, she was called Lilithu or Lilith. Lilith is more what they called her in Yiddish later on, but there are some scripts that call her Lilith. So she was seen as the goddess of the wind and storms, and she was seen as a bringer of death and misfortune. So that makes that tracks, right? Because if there's a big storm and everybody's houses get destroyed, she's seen as bringing misfortune and death to people, especially back then. Different resources may have been limited. 
So this is from a book, The Encyclopedia of Spirits, that I've quoted a million times. I love this book. Uh, she was a spirit of light and darkness. Lilith was both an angel and a demoness of conception. She was blamed for miscarriages, stillbirths, crib death, and inf infertility. Lilith, the baby killer, quote unquote, also bestowed fertility when and uh, if she chose. She has dominion over sexual desire, erotic dreams, and sacred sexual magic. Later on, you'll see the whole baby thing why they said that um, there's a lot of stories though also from ancient sumer of her being a succubi which is like a sexual a female sexual demon an incubi or incubic not like the band but like, yeah <laughs> um, incubus is a male quote-unquote male sexual demon so she usually appears with black or red hair. She appears either really old or very young, but she's always really very, very beautiful. That's her thing. She's gorgeous. In ancient Sumerian texts, she actually has bird feet, and she's actually an extension of the goddess Inanna. She actually is also called the Hand of Inanna. Uh, one of her first stories, she's uh, seen as bringing men to Inanna's temple for sacred sexual rites. So in ancient Mesopotamia, in a lot of the temples, the priestesses were also s sex workers. They didn't necessarily take money, but what they would do is the men would come there and they would have sex with them as part of sex magic. And that was part of what kind of kept everybody good. And in those times, uh, Lilith was seen as she was the one to come and bring or tell the men to go to this temple and create these sexual rituals that would help cleanse the city in some states, bring good luck, uh, help grow crops, all that good stuff. But that was the job of the priestesses. Also, just a mention about her animals. She has different animals that are associated with Lilith. The Number one is the owl, and probably because it's also a night animal. But she also really loves jackals, hyenas, wild cats, black cats, black dogs, ostriches. Ostriches, I found was interesting. Black dogs, snakes, dragons, spiders, and unicorns. She's a very old spirit. She is among one of the primordial spirits, and she is now coming to the modern age. For a long time, nobody really cared about Lilith. One thing I see with gods and goddesses, they get trendy and then they get not mm -hmm. trendy. Nope. Yeah, right now she's, <laughs> she's very, very trendy. And she's also seen as literally just chaos. Um, she is in a lot of different cultures, a lot. She makes appearance, appearances in Babylonian script, Assyrian script uh, for the Canaanites. I can never say the pre-Hebrews, guys. That's what I'll call them right now. <laughs> the Hebrews, the Persians, the uh, in different Arabic myths. And then some of the other, the Medean and the Sabaean, which were other groups in the Middle East. So she was also in their text, too. So she also has, and I can't remember exactly where, but most of us read Gilgamesh in school because we were told to. So <laughs> she is in the story of Gilgamesh in somehow and in the story, I think Gilgamesh ends up like saving somebody from her something like that so she's always seen as doing something wrong it's messed up because she's honestly just doing her job like <laughs> she's a wind spirit also and that also um shows how she's like she can't be chained down and nobody's she's not supposed to belong really to anyone so now we get into the whole adam thing so the adam thing goes like this so lilith and adam were the first two people so they said that God created Lilith and Adam out of clay. Equally, 
no problem. So they were living in Eden and Lilith was doing her thing. She didn't really like Adam. That was the thing. I guess she just thought Adam was annoying. I don't know, but she didn't like him. And then when Adam was like, you know what? Actually, I think I'm in charge. And Lilith was like, and so who told you that? And he's like, I don't know, but I think I'm in charge. And she's, Adam, I leave me alone. And then he was, and then they were instructed. God instructed them they have to make more people. Lilith found this gross. She did not want to, she didn't even like Adam. So why would she want to do some weird act with him? She didn't like him. So then the other thing says that like either Adam was forceful with her or that they were going to have sex and Adam wanted to be on top and she did not. This is literally the story, guys. Like she he wanted to be on top and she was like, actually, no. And he's like, I want to be on top because I'm like on top of you, literally. And she's like, absolutely not. So then she got up and she screamed the ineffable name of God, which was super not cool. That was you were not supposed to do that. So she yelled that name. And God came and run in and he was like, pardon, you're not even supposed to call me. I don't know what you were doing. So he told her, get out of Eden. So she left and she's like, yeah, no problem. I don't want to really be here anyway. <laughs> I don't really like Adam, the jerk. Like the fruit is good, but I actually don't want to be here with you people. Yes, yeah, so she left. So if you think about it, what happened next, right? God if you don't know the story now, Adam's by himself. Let's start from the beginning again. God made people, blah, 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 blah. Now it's Adam. And then God made Adam from Eve's rib. Made Eve from Adam's rib. Why? Because now Adam basically has a clone of himself, right? She's going to be obedient. She's going to do what he says. She's going to agree with everything he says. It's easier. So this is where now adam's like oh great i can make people because i basically have the most obedient easy person in the world who came from me so that's how that happened um eve is completely totally obedient and now lilith is seen as this evil terrible person because she left eden they said that she went to go live by the caves in the red sea and that's where she lived ever now there's different stories of what happened from here one of the stories says that she slept with every demon in the world. They probably just said this because they wanted to demonize her again, but also maybe she did whatever. She was out here having a good time. She can do whatever she likes. Um, she, But they also make the argument that back then they were like, well, how many demons could she sleep with? If people weren't doing things wrong, there weren't that many demons to do stuff to. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So whatever. They also said that at this point that Lilith living in these caves by the Red Sea, she dedicated herself to pagan rites in nature. And she decided that she really didn't ever want to go back to Eden, even though God and a whole bunch of angels kept trying to get her to go back. The angels came and they told her, listen, you can come back to Eden, but you have to protect all these kids and be the protector of children and have a bunch of kids. And she's like, no, I'm not doing that. Sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> I'm actually having a really good time here in my cave, sleeping with demons. Like I'm having a great time. So they were all confused, but it's fine. So then one of the stories, again, there's a lot of different stories. One story says she met Asmodeus. And Asmodeus, we talked about him in a different episode. Uh, he was our demon friend who was friends with King Solomon, but King Solomon actually hates him. Anyway, she met Asmodeus and apparently Lilith fell in love with Asmodeus and had a whole bunch of babies. Those babies end up being called Jinn. So they said that Lilith, the birther of genies, 
of these little spirits, obviously. And again, we talked about this in a previous episode, but so they said she created Jim. Uh, but in some stories, Lilith is sterile. So believe what you like. Uh, some Kabbalists also say there's two Liliths. One is married to Asmodeus, the demon, and the other is married to Samuel, who is the chief of the evil angels. And she met him because she was riding a blind dragon at one point. And the blind dragon's like, you want to meet my friend, this guy who's the evil angel? And she's like, okay. So she may have been two people. She may have been one. But at some point they say that she married and had children with these other demons. At this point, still, she either she was sterile or had children. It didn't matter. God really wanted her back still. So God came to talk to her. He also sent a bunch of angels. And when she came by, they were like, Lilith, you should really come back to Eden. She's absolutely not. I can never be with Adam because he's the worst. And they're like, no, just come back. But then she was like, actually, I slept with a whole bunch of demons. So Adam doesn't want to sleep with me anyway. So ha. And <laughs> they were like, oh, Okay, that's weird. And then they're well, we're gonna drag you back. And she's if you drag me back, I will kill any kid that Adam has. Try me today. And then they were like, Okay, fine, we won't. So then she calmed down a little bit too, and she's like, Okay, just leave me alone and I promise I won't kill anybody. Uh, and if anybody does if I do decide to kill someone, all they have to do is shout in the name of an angel and then I won't kill them. So they say if Lilith ever quote unquote attacks anybody, you just have to shout the name of an angel and then she'll leave you alone. Um, there's another myth in Median, the Median path of Lilith, uh, the Median, Median, I'm sorry. They're the people of um, like a little bit Northern Iraq. In this story, she's the daughter of the queen of the underworld and she marries the king of light. Her dowry was a crown, a magic mirror and a pearl. And then they had a son who knew both realms day and night, dark and light. And he was super smart. And later, the son defended her against accusations of being a child stealer demoness and actually said she was sitting on the beds of laboring women helping them. So there's a lot of arguments over if Lilith hates kids or not. From all the from all the documents I read, it sounds like she just wasn't that interested in kids. And back then, everyone assumed that if you are a person who can have babies, you should be obsessed with children. And she wasn't. So they were like, she's an evil person. No, that's, so I think they just made up all the stories just to make her look bad because she was a vagina having person who didn't want to have kids. So that's obnoxious, but that's Lilith. But the thing you need to know, the most important thing you need to know about Lilith, like we said at the beginning, is Lilith in every single story we had, she made her own decisions. She didn't need a man to come by and save her. Like, like she didn't need, she never needed saving. She made all her own decisions and she was demonized in so many different texts for doing this so a lot of people call on lilith now to find the strength that she had imagine she was like the only person in the world who like was actually annoyed with god at the time and nobody was on her side she had to live in a cave but she found joy and we're proud of lilith and we stand for her and that's our story about lilith she's fantastic that's so good i yeah. love it <laughs> well, I'm so happy that you are here, Janine. And yeah, this kind of too. brings us to the end of our show. So, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, through my website, www.exojanine.com. My name is spelled J A and then how you would write out nine, N I N E. Um, on Instagram, exojanine Michelle with one L. Um, yeah, those are the two main ones. 
Yay. So everybody find Janine. Yay. We're going to put all yes, her please. links. Yes, we'll put all her links there. She does love reading. She does all sorts of wonderful stuff. And she's also takes really good pictures. She always has like really cool pictures. Um, just look at her Instagram and hit her up. Uh, everybody, that brings us to the end of our show. Thank you so much to our guest, Janine. She's been so awesome and fabulous. And uh, we, me, I am Dying with the Divine here. And um, again, I'm on Instagram, on Facebook. Again, if you like the show, give us five stars I'm on wherever you listen. And if you have any suggestions for episodes or any comments, feel free to email me at Dying with the Divine Pod. And if you want to follow me, Ashley, I'm Sankofa HS. That's S A N K O F A H S and Sankofa Healing Sanctuary on Facebook. So thank you so much, everybody. Have a wonderful week, and I'll see you next time. Bye.